Well, I, I'm just delighted that I, I saw that I wasn't getting the, the clever little blue noisy things eight seconds in rather than eight minutes in or 80 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, that would be the, the last episode of just, you got to imagine what Stu said because it's just my end. That may well improve the quality and in fact the listening numbers. <laughs> Half the hosts, twice the quality. Yes, there you go. You see, there, there's a there's a tagline if ever I've heard one. So, how the devil are uh, you, TJ? You well? I'm good. Yeah, we were we're chatting pre-show a wee bit, so we've kind of caught up, which is nice. Uh, it's funny because some weeks I feel like we chat on Slack or, or through other mediums uh, and we keep up to date, and there's other weeks where it's kind of like I see you on the Monday and then I see you the next Monday, and I think that's <laughs> this week has been one of the latter. Yeah, I mean, you've been uh, gamefully employed doing uh, useful and important things, uh, and I've been uh, led astray by visitors, uh, effectively. Uh, This is one of the great (laughs) challenges of living somewhere warm, uh, even though it hasn't been that warm, but uh, somewhere that everybody else regards as a a holiday spot. Comparatively Uh, warm. Yeah, it means that when they come here, they're, they're in that mode, so... Um, I had a friend of they mine. They kind of drag Tom. you into it. Yeah, I mean, Margaret and I have sort of sat down and and been very disciplined about saying, okay, look, we have to manage this properly, uh, so that it doesn't become you know a huge burden for us and and that people who do come we we enjoy, but you know it doesn't become a, a real issue. Uh, and then sort of completely ignored everything that we've agreed. Um, because, you know, one of my buddies comes that I, I used to work with. He says, let's go hit the golf course. Absolutely, let's go hit the golf. Which golf course should we hit? Let's hit that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. Um, <laughs> and, you know, after golf, you hungry? Yeah, well, let's have a beer and then maybe we'll get some food. And yeah, bah, 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 bah. and there you go. Bang. Week's gone. Um, feeling pretty good. So played some golf. Uh, eaten far too much food. Probably drunk too much beer. Uh, but, you know, good times with friends. Um, you just do that for I don't know forty six weeks a year, and uh, just work really really hard for the other six weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's so like yeah. one of those four four and three weeks, but it's four and three months, and then there's some change yeah. at the end. Yeah, I I need to to pull out my copies of Tim Ferriss and um work out how to become a a billionaire in about fourteen minutes a week. Um, oh dear. But, uh, no, it was great. It was it was lovely to have uh, have friends here. Uh, it worked out for us really fortunately because we had some car troubles, um, oh, and okay. uh, as as anybody uh, lucky enough to uh, to have ever driven a BMW will know, uh, BMW stands for Bring My Wallet um, because when <laughs> anything goes wrong with it, it costs an absolute fortune, um, oh, and. What do we what do we have? We had brake pads, we had two tires, and we had a service. Um and so yeah, that was uh that was a thousand and change, which was a little unexpected. Oh um, dear. Yes, quite. Um the tires were only four or five four or five months old. Um and I've I've told Margaret to stop doing donuts. Uh, no, it it's uh tracking. Tracking on a car is pretty important, and uh, somebody listening might actually know what they're talking about. I don't, but 
essentially the inside of the front tyres, by which I mean the bits that are towards the middle of the car, uh, were worn mm -hmm. smooth. So they looked like slicks on a Formula One car. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that is way the, off. But the rest of the the rest of the tyre was absolutely fine. Um, so that's just a bit annoying, because really, that could have been avoided and wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, just just um, flip the the tracking the other way around, so you just wear the outsides and just keep going. I I did suggest that, and and the Cypriot <laughs> fella gave me that sort of pitying look, um, because if there's anybody that would do it, it would be the Cypriots. But uh, no, he just said no, dangerous. Oh, okay then, all right. Um, so having visitors with a hire car meant that we were actually slightly more mobile than than we might have been. Um, and. Uh, and I had the last of the the builders. Uh, well, actually, I had the last of the builders today. But um, the the job that never endeth um, has now ended. Um, and oh, good. No blood was spilt. Uh, we got close once or twice, but um, all's well that ends well. And I'll let you know how it ends in a year or two. Um, yeah. Phew. Anybody that's had lots of work done knows it's a bit of a pain. It never quite goes to budget, never quite goes as you planned. And oh, at the moment, I'm feeling a bit sort of <sighs> about the whole thing. But I dare say that uh, yeah. a chat with you, a cold beer, a good night's sleep, uh, if spicy allows, um, and uh, I'll be feeling much better about it all tomorrow. Oh, good. And what about you? What's been keeping you busy? Oh, everything and, and anything. Um, house stuff is ticking along nicely. The house is finally feeling a little bit more ordered. Um, the more I look, it's like a one of those fractal patterns. The closer I look at things, the more work I find that I need to do. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's a little frustrating, but also I like it. So it's kind of this weird... Uh, I don't mind the work, but I also don't want the work. And so it's this kind of thing where the left hand's finding it and the right hand's you know, shaking my fist at it. It's complicated. I have a very complicated <laughs> feelings about my house, which I love, but also that causes me a lot of time and effort. Uh, but it is finally coming together and it's starting to feel more and more like our home because we've painted walls and put furniture in. And it's the little things you realize, you know, you put something in and then it completely changes the perspective of the room, you know, putting For sure. an extra bit on the sofa. And all of a sudden, I went. Oh, this feels a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah, I I didn't realize how much it would add until we added it. Um, so those are your things, and it's just the the garbage at the back end, it's the the light switches and the the toilet roll holders and all that stuff that you forget that exists in a house until you have to put one in. Mm -hmm. So slowly but surely, uh, and work's keeping me busy, and you know, wooden graphite's keeping me busy. So everything's kind of normalized to some degree, and I feel like I'm finally on an even kilter, which is nice because I felt like I was a little bit unbalanced for a couple of months. I was probably unbalanced for my whole life, but um, <laughs> unbalanced in terms of workload in the last couple of months because of sort of moving and job and you know side hustles and all that stuff. And they're all plates. And if you're not spinning them right, it's very easy to drop things or miss things. And I finally feel like everything's in its little compartment and I can you know, stop in and work on them when I need to without stressing about all the, the minutiae that kind of comes with them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, the, you know, these are big life changes. It's it's not unexpected yeah. to be to be going, okay, so 
I've I've gone from uh, a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of side hustle, a bit of uh, sort of uh, living fast and loose to oh big boy responsible job, oh buying a house uh, in hock now for the rest of my life. You know all of those <laughs> huge things. It's uh, yeah, uh, and and planning a wedding to boot. Yes, that's that's steaming on ahead. So we've got lots of things booked and paid for, and lots of people with expensive service skills uh, locked in on certain dates. So eighteenth uh, uh, of April, twenty twenty, we're uh, we're trucking, yeah. and uh, I still haven't finalised my guest list. You'll be there, hopefully, if you're free. But uh, I still haven't finalised my guest list. Well, I, I dare say you, you've got time. You might, yeah, we might have fallen out by then, TJ. I mean, you. Probably can't stand the sight of one, at least the sound of me by then. You can just do like an audio visit. We'll just put you on WhatsApp into the speaker and he can just chat away. Absolutely. I've I've got a speech written. I'll just uh, record it. If you if you want to edit it, I should give you a reasonable amount of control. Um, yeah, just, and, hello. Uh, and then cut. Yeah. I'll tap the microphone a bit, say testing, 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 that sort of thing. Um, in fact, you've probably Excellent. got... What fifty-five uh, copies of that already? Just, just, just make yeah, well, a mashup of your own. This would be fifty-seven. Yeah. Good <laughs> lord. Write my own speech with your words. Excellent. Ah, <laughs> shall we finally get on to what we're actually writing with and on? Because it's ten minutes. Good, good lord! I suppose we ought to. Um, well, I'm in a a brand new new book. I've just put it inside the cover. Uh, so I've got a field notes pitch black. Um, Very nice. Which, yeah, they're just, uh, it's everything that's good about a field note, really. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay, to all the fountain pen guys, yes, I know, my double broad, italic, blah, 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 is, is not going to work on this, that's fine. Um, I'm using uh, I'm using a really good pencil. I have no idea what it is. Um, uh, touching on a subject that I dare say may come up later, it's natural wood. Um and it's uh, it's a, a corporate one, you know, a freebie that I picked up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I've got no idea where it's made or what it's made of, apart from the obvious. Uh, but it writes really nicely. Um, hmm. In fact, I, I had a branded pencil in my hand just a minute ago. I won't share the brand. Um, and wrote, wrote one line with it and went, uh, no, I think I'll go back to the freebie. Um <laughs> <laughs> really, really nice. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, what about you? What are you? Uh, what are you using? I finished a Blackwing six hundred two the other day, so I threw that in. I haven't established a stub jar for the the home office yet, but I went into my little box where I have sort of above Steinbeck sized pen- pencils that have been used but are not finished, and pulled out uh, Tombow eighty nine hundred in two B, which is this oh, lovely nice. like olive drab colored Japanese pencil. And in the 2B, it's especially nice and dark. And I, I really like this pencil, but I haven't written one for a long time. So it was nice to pull one out. And I've been writing, wrote my journal yesterday, and I'm writing the show notes tonight in it. And it's very, very pleasant. Nice, smooth, dark graphite. Japanese graphite always is. And yeah, it's a, it's nice to go back and discover the stuff that I already knew I liked, but have sort of left languishing in a drawer because there's new and exciting things. Yeah, I mean, I was, um, I had reason to get my sort of, pencil case out the other day uh which as you might imagine is quite a substantial thing um and yeah i've I've got a few lined up that i'm going to be using uh over the next week or two um yeah there's uh, there's some nice stuff out there there is some nice stuff out there um unfortunately quite a lot of the stuff is still out there rather than with me 
Um, but yeah. I shall, f- I'll find a moment to get that uh, frustration in later. Um, watching. What about watching? Are you watching anything? I finished Night Flyers, which is the uh, George R. R. Martin Netflix series. Uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Some really incredible acting, especially the I can't remember his name, the Australian actor in it. When you, if you watch it, uh, the Australian guy, fantastic. He was in a couple of other things. Um, but yeah, okay. really, really good, well acted. Uh, same kind of, you can tell it's written by the same person. Obviously, the, it's been adapted for television by different people, but it's the same sort of core storytelling that Game of Thrones has, that really, really compelling, well-written drama with very fleshed-out characters who have complicated motivations. And so you kind of have all these motivations and, and sort of goals and they're clashing. So some people want some things, other people want others, and they're all not quite aligned. And that tension, that drama, is what gives you good television, especially when it is drama. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that. And it was sci-fi, and it was dark, and it was kind of a little bit esoteric. And I, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. I thought it would just be another sci-fi show. Um, but I, I really think it's one of my, not necessarily top 10, but it's one of my favorite things I've ever watched on Netflix, certainly. Yeah, cool. I, I will look it out. I will look it out. It's um, uh, as you say, George R. R. Martin is um, he's an amazing world builder. Uh, everything yeah. has such depth yeah. to it. You know that even the descriptions of the of the landscapes and everything. You, he really pulls you in. Or I've always found that he really pulls me in to to wherever he's yeah. describing. Um. Well. Oh. Well. In in the Lennon household. Um. I couldn't possibly reveal how, but there is an enormous amount of television. A humongous <laughs> choice. Um, all of the discussions that we've had before about sort of TV not really being um, our thing, uh, that has been overturned. And I now have everything by Sky, everything by every British broadcaster, everything by every oh, wow. Italian broadcaster, everything by every... Spanish broadcaster, um, and all sorts of movie channels that um, I, I'm certain are extraordinarily nefarious. Um, and so, yeah, I've I've been watching uh, what are, the last three nights. I've watched a movie a night. Uh, oh, wow. So we had Bohemian Rhapsody, which um, yeah. I don't know if that's come out on TV yet. I'm, I'm not sure. Nope. Um, uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Uh, I'm fairly certain that has come out on TV. Uh, and yep. A Star Is Born, uh, the uh, the Not remake with Lady Gaga. Um, uh, all three of them are cracking movies. There you go. There's the, the There's uh, a shortest there? review ever. Um, no, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody's taken a fair amount of sort of mixed responses from the critics because... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really interesting story that Sasha Baron Cohen was lined up to play Freddie Mercury. Um, I can but see that, then, yeah. Yeah, they are facially quite similar, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. he walked away from it. Um, oh. Uh, the the usual um, artistic differences. Uh, but he later revealed that he felt Brian May was a very good guitarist, but not necessarily a great producer. So, ah. cool. Queen were, um, in some people's view, instrumental in airbrushing out some things that perhaps they didn't want uh, aired, uh, which hmm. I su- 
suppose is reasonable. And also, I mean, from my point of view, I, I don't think it detracted from the film. I, I thought the film as a piece of art was excellent. Uh, the the leading uh, actor who played Freddie Mercury was absolutely astonishing. Um, I think uh, we have spoken before about this sort of weird historical event that you just about heard of called Live Aid. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the the film, uh, it's no spoiler, the film finishes with Queen's Live Aid performance and they recreated the performance very much in the manner in which it actually happened. And of course, you can find that still on YouTube. So to sort of compare and contrast the two performances between Freddie Mercury and Freddie Mercury's impersonator, if you like. Um, wow. I mean, this guy put a lot of work into into getting that right. Um, and yeah, great movie. Very, very sad, very uplifting, uh, very musical. Yeah, brilliant. Um, heartily recommend it. I think people enjoy that. Oh, very good. Uh, and Distinct the other two, musical theme in your movie choices? Yeah, well, it's it's an easy common ground for for Margaret and I. Um, if you mention something like Game of Thrones or my current poison, which is Vikings, um, to to Mrs. L, she just sort of rolls her eyeballs at me. Um, mm. And much though I, I I do like a good romantic comedy, um, I, I don't particularly like a good romantic comedy so um, <laughs> there's only so many you can watch you know I've, I've seen two Hugh Grant movies which I think means I've seen 30 Hugh Grant movies um, it, it's that sort of thing really um, <laughs> yeah but there you go so yeah TV TV is, is in the house and uh, appears to be working and I'm I'm sure there's going to be pressure now to, to ditch good. Netflix Um but uh, no, I'm 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 still mid binge of Vikings, so I've got another three three seasons of that to go before I can consider um, getting rid of Netflix. Uh, listening, well, I I've got nothing to say really. I'm listening to my usual podcast. That's it. What about you? So there's a podcast I want you to listen to, and it would be very different, I imagine, than most of the stuff you normally listen to, and indeed quite different from some of the stuff I normally listen to. But it's the first podcast I ever listened to, way, way back okay. when. And it's called Mike and Tom Eat Snacks. Uh, now, this is... When was this made? It's two comedians eating snacks. And they do an awful lot of uh, tangential chatting about nonsense. So the first mm-hmm. episode was released in 2011. So Okay, so and I like us, to but funny. Not, not, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh. Both of them are actors and comedians. Uh, been featured in loads of stuff. You'll know their faces probably, but um, really good American Canadian voices. And they just pick a snack and review it once every year. And I remember listening to these episodes not long after they came out. On my iPhone five, was it maybe? Uh, on the commutes to Manchester when I was working in a startup company there. And I would listen to them on the train on the way back and forth uh, because mm-hmm. it was something different. And podcasting was relatively new. I was almost certainly doing it through the Apple podcast app, you know, the purple one with the little podcasting logo way back when. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was eight years ago. So podcasts definitely were not the thing that they are now. Uh, the podcast has since been sort of 
discontinue would be a strong word. It's kind of fallen off the radar a wee bit. I think they put something out a couple of years ago and then it's petered off. They're both involved in a lot of other projects and they kind of tried to revisit it a couple of times. But even the first episode I listened to again recently and it's the same comedy. I laughed a couple of times at things that they were talking about, but it's a very distinct kind of comedy. And if you don't like it, it's not going to get better. So, But I'd be interested to hear what you think of it because it's a very cohesive idea that they're just kind of running with it's very much their own thing cool well i shall uh, i shall download an episode or two and give it a listen god every time i talk to you i i, I get more more homework book club yeah, i'm sorry it's not a sustainable club. medium oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> speaking of book club are you reading uh well i've started the uh the, the recommendation so uh company of one mm-hmm. um and i've um joined the website listened to the podcast bought the t-shirt the baseball cap um it's a, it's a one-man industry this company of one um uh, so far so good i've i think i've probably read the first chapter or two yeah i, yeah, I just probably similar to what I've, I yeah i finished um make time by jake knapp and john zaratsky the uh the google guys Googlers? Uh, th- yeah, I mean, that really is, um, that's an excellent read. Um, very, very much uh, sort of, uh, certainly where I am, it, it it covers the things I'm thinking about, about distraction, about um, social media, you know, all of that jazz. Um, very interesting and a very easy read. Um, I recommend that. It's, oh, it's I think everybody will get something out of that. Um, and I've started uh, All the Birds in the Sky, which was Andy Welfley's recommendation uh, for my sort of fiction read. Wow. I mean, that's really good. Um, oh, good. I, I have yeah, no I think idea. I have it as well, but... I have no idea who Charlie Jane Anders is, um, but uh, they can write. Uh, the, good. Excellent. That's what you want from a recommendation. Yeah, the hook, the hook at the start is brilliant. And uh, yeah completely reels you in so um, I'm enjoying that immensely what about you ah, speaking of there? hooks at the start yeah the book I'm reading at the minute is Seven Eves the Neil Stevenson one and mm-hmm. that book literally starts with the moon blowing up it is the first line uh, and from reading a synopsis and from reading what I'm knowing a little bit about the novel uh, it's a book of two halves and I know that there's a, a substantial time jump coming up and it's kind of ramping up. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, there's basically interstitial periods where it's kind of counting up from an event, the moon blowing up. And so uh, it's getting faster. You can see more time passing every jump. And I'm anticipating mm-hmm. quite a large jump soon. And with that, it'll kind of refresh the the characters and the people and the, the story a wee bit. And so I'm anticipating that. So I'm trying to kind of ramping up my listening. And even when mm-hmm. I got home today, I was listening to it on the, the headphones and got into the house and started doing bits and pieces around the house and then realized it was only about 25 minutes in that I still had the headphones on and I was still listening after I'd commuted home and got home. Like normally sure. I'd take them off and, and go off and do stuff, but it was just the story had completely reeled me in. And so it was half an hour or so into my being at home before I realized I was still <laughs> listening to the podcast or the, the story. So really, really enjoying song. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I can tell there's something big's going to happen soon and I'm just kind of counting down the pages now. 
<laughs> it sounds like uh, this man knows what he's doing when it comes to writing. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting as well. This is It kind of feeds into some of the stuff I've been looking at. Um, but uh, Neil Stevenson is a man who does not shy away from uh, factual accuracy. And so he worked for a time at Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos, the Amazon guy. That's his space startup. So he has worked mm-hmm. with rocket engineers. He knows what he's talking about when he's talking about orbital mechanics. Uh, several people that work at NASA have said, yeah, the book's actually pretty dead on in terms of what would happen and what could happen given his parameters. And so reading something like that uh, is really, really dense. I really like it from the way he's framed it, but you know, I'm learning an awful lot about orbital mechanics and Lagrange points and how to exit maneuvers out of the, the solar system and to heliocentric orbits and things like that more than I anticipated, but only because it's, and it kind of comes onto the topic later, it's that rabbit hole. You know, you kind of read and it, it excites something and then you, you go from there. But we'll, we'll get well, to I'm that sh- when we get to the topic. Sh- I'm sure all of that is, is going to come in very, very useful for you, TJ. Well, you say that, but there is, you know, there are projects in, in the works that potentially could overlap somewhat in work. So we'll never know. And also, I mean, who's really? to say? I might, might start my own space startup at some stage. Indeed, escape the solar system. Uh, it's, it's the way forward. <laughs> uh, you're drinking a tiny beer at the minute, I think, from no drinking. Uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, I've been drinking buckets of coffee, uh, partly because uh, we're, we're moving Spice to a new sleep regime. So uh, we're trying to get her to sleep through the night, which involves me staying up quite late um, and then getting up really early. Uh, so I've been, mm. been finding myself flagging a little. Uh, but yes, uh, once I finish uh, talking now, I'm going to hit the mute button, uh, turn turn the chair around and reach for the fridge uh, and drink a Keo, which is the local brew here. They have little um, 33 mil cans. So, you know, like Coke can size. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, that's a nice size, actually. So you, sometimes the, the big ones are challenging. Yeah, so it's just a you know a couple of mouthfuls and uh, away you go. Uh, what about you? Very good. Uh, I'm kind of leaning into the the coffee and trying to be relatively healthy with the coffee. So uh, light on the milk, heavy on the caffeine, and Americanos are sort of the name of the game at the moment. But uh, yeah, trying to trying to be a bit healthier. We looked at the timeline for the wedding and it's like I don't know, thirteen, fourteen months away or something. And so you go, I'd really like to get a nice suit. But I don't want that suit to be the wrong size. So let's work on that. So it's, it's yeah. becoming healthy boy time. Yeah, I, th- I have a feeling that um, I, I, obviously I'm not getting married again. Well, not as far as I know, unless Mrs. Lennon's got something lined up for me that I'm not aware of. <laughs> um, but the, the weather is slowly beginning to improve here. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm certain that as the sun comes out, There'll be a sort of, hmm, oh, these feel a bit tight. Oh, yeah, hmm, hmm, maybe maybe you could lose a little bit there. Um, before you know it, I'll be, I mean, I do eat enormous amounts of salad already, but it's just <laughs> the rest of the stuff that I eat with the salad, I might have to be a bit more uh, <clears throat> circumspect with. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, dear, well, that, that's got me quite depressed. What about buying? Have you been oh, dear, buying anything? <laughs> yes, I bought a new phone, finally, after eking out what was probably three life cycles more than uh, Samsung wanted me to from my Samsung S5. I finally replaced it with a Samsung S8. So now I have a matching pair of Samsung S8s, one for work and one for 
home. And uh, yeah, it's a great phone. I like it a lot. It works really well for me. And it was very easy to port over because it's Samsung to Samsung and it's relatively easy to kind of just go and get all the apps. And what I was noticing is that the old phone had stopped being updated and serviced with, you know, sort of patches. And so it was getting progressively slower mm-hmm. and slower and slower. Things were crashing and the stuff I was using wasn't working. And I'd had money set aside for this phone for literally months. You know, I set it aside slowly. And I had it ready to go. And then didn't buy the phone for whatever reason. And so it just kind of languished, languished, languished. And now I finally bought the phone and we're going, why didn't I do this three months ago? This would be so much better. Um, but I was moving from a slightly larger SIM to a smaller SIM. So I'm on the, I think it's the nano SIM, which is the smallest one, which yep. is essentially just the gold terminals and nothing more. And so I, I thought, oh, it's going to be such a faff. I've got to go to a three store and get them to change it and they'll post it out. So I went on the website and got them to post me a new one on last Monday. And it never arrived. So I thought, oh, it's even more hassle. They probably sent it to my wrong address. Even though I updated it, they probably sent it to England and I'm going to have to wait. And then you're going to have to change. So I happened to be walking past a three store. Wasn't thinking about it. Was in a shopping center. Walked past a three store and thought, oh, I'll go in and ask. What's, what's the worst that could happen? I went mm-hmm. in and asked. And the guy went, do you have your phone? Oh, yeah. Do you have the new phone? Oh, actually, yeah. It's like, okay, give me the SIM. And he took the SIM. And he put it in what it amounted to a fancy stapler and went chomp and then handed yep. me back the right sized sim. And I went, okay, that I feel stupid again. <laughs> Probably should have just come in here first. Uh, so now it works and there's there's no problem. And my phone contract, my personal contract, is a grandfather contract from about six or seven years ago. Uh, so I pay very little a month, but I get unlimited data. I can literally use as much as I want and they won't cap oh, me. Oh, cool. Uh, which is great but not when the phone is garbage. So now that the phone is not garbage, there's a massive spike in the usage <laughs> of data and the, the the consuming of information and video feeds on this. So really enjoying that I actually have a phone that, that works instead of one that I kind of issue and, and use the work phone instead. So a bit more of a work-life divide, which is good as well. I was using my work phone an awful lot, which is fine. I know it minds, but it was just, I noticed I had it on me more, which meant that I was working more. Mm-hmm. because it was there and so you're like well i'll quickly just do this and i'll just check the work email and i'll just do that and i'll just do this being able to leave it at home because i have a good camera and i have a phone that works is is very nice for sure oh, well, very good and the, so you've got the the s8 is it yeah so it's one behind the s9 came out the s10 is slated to come out not that long uh, okay. but it's nice it's got the curved screen it's really fast it's got 64 gig of storage it's it's a beast it's better than most of the the iphones from last year um i don't Mm -hmm. think it's quite as good as the sort of the new ones but uh it's a flagship model from about a year or two ago and it's a great phone and i really don't need more than that no for sure i i didn't upgrade mine uh this year i've got last year's um and i can't i think maybe they'll prove me wrong but uh, i can't see anything that would compel me to upgrade it this year either um, yeah. Particularly as they're sort of, you know, a thousand quid plus. Yeah, um, that's, that's, yeah. This phone I bought actually secondhand uh, from CEX, mm-hmm. which is sort of a trade in store here. Um, really, really good. I've bought a lot of stuff from them in the past. And the best thing is they have a two year warranty on almost everything, uh, mm-hmm. which is more than you get from the original manufacturer. And I've, I've returned stuff before. I've had issues with things. They've always been very good. And so I bought the phone 
in essentially new condition. It looks fantastic. There's not a scratch on the thing. Uh, for, I think it was £315. Yeah, uh, just bought it out of the contract. So it's very, very cheap. I mean, that phone would have been six or £700 a year or two ago, mm. if even that long. You know, it's it's come down substantially and then buying it secondhand brings it down even more. But sure. I wouldn't buy one new and I definitely wouldn't go in and get a, a £40 a month contract either because my contract's mm-hmm. £17 a month and I get as much data as I can throw at it. Yeah, you want to hang on to that contract. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will hold on to it until they take it away from me with force. <laughs> cool. What about you? And Still about- pining after oh. the camera? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean... um, it's it's very much new shiny syndrome and i've i've (laughs) experienced of new shiny syndrome in lots of fields so um it's it's touch and go whether a a new piece of apple kit a camera or a new set of golf clubs will turn up in the next few days um (laughs) none of which will improve my skills in any of those uh disciplines the no it never does the thing, the thing about the camera is, I have uh, an SLR which I can barely use. Um, well, that's perhaps a little unkind. I, I do know how to use it, um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a big, heavy thing when you compare it with the other things that are available. Um, if you compare it with what people were carrying around ten years ago, then it's a very lightweight, um, easy thing to yeah. use. Um. So yeah, I was looking at um, a mirrorless camera, which is you know much, much smaller body. Um, you can get very good lenses now. Uh, you can have a whole host of sort of controllability if you don't want to just point and shoot, uh, but you can also point and shoot, uh, and it all shoots beautiful RAW, which you can then play around with in in various and sundry editing suites. So uh, great machines, uh, pretty much unless you are you know, right at the sort of cutting edge of photography. Uh, People at my level are not going to notice any quality difference between the best DSLRs and the best mirrorless. Um, It's just going to feel a lot lighter to to carry and is relatively more affordable. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, I was sort of hankering and and I decided, I think I'd settled on the model that I was going to go for. I was thinking, "Mm, shall I get it here? Shall I get it there? Shall I And then... The model was superseded, so I was oh. looking at the at the uh, XT twenty, um, and there's now an XT thirty, uh, which could be great news. I suppose the XT twenty will probably come down by twenty percent in the next few months, um, but now there's an XT thirty, which mm. pr- presumably has go faster stripes or something. I, I don't know, but that's um, got a whole extra number added on it. You might as well. You want all, more number, more good. Yeah, and it's got a little joystick. I mean, I mean, who doesn't like a little joystick? <laughs> to go completely the other direction, uh, I was given some cameras recently by a family friend, and uh, yeah, I polished one that up on... and had a look. Oh my goodness! It's a it's a Canon new F one, so it's like a nineteen eighties analog Canon, and I put a picture up on Instagram recently. And I put the picture up because I was actually I was cleaning it and looking at it and it looked so good in the sunlight that I had to share it. And it's one of these beautiful old Canon FD mount lens, uh, cameras. Uh, and it's just gorgeous. It's made of brass and glass, as someone on Instagram put it. 
and mm-hmm. it's just phenomenal. It's ah, oh, and it's analog. I it would be such a faff to get this and get the film produced and do that. Like I've, ne- I've never done analog photography. The closest I came was doing uh, tape video uh, in university, which quickly went out, you know, by the way, by the wayside, and we we switched to SD cards. But my goodness, is it not a beautiful device to hold in your hands and so mm-hmm. uh, well thought out and considered and it's not uh, that's what i imagine the the cameras you're looking at feel like in the hand it's that kind of uh, metal body very high quality everything's well considered and you know rounded where it needs to be and angular where it should be and there's something really really nice about a piece of equipment like that i have a canon 5d mark 3 which is significantly more powerful than this and it it doesn't come close in terms of aesthetics and, and hand feel and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the, the, when it came to assessing all the different models, because I spent, uh, I spent a fair amount of time at Heathrow wandering around, uh, the camera displays there. And obviously they have a, you know, good selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I did probably use half an hour in a camera shop in Bristol as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talking to talking to some guys and uh this uh, I, i'm not making a statement for anybody in particular but i suppose conventional wisdom would now say if you want to buy a mirrorless camera the best mirrorless cameras are sony they are sort of top of the the performance charts at the moment and uh, at the risk of causing offence to any Sony executives listening, I'm sure there are many of them. Um, they look a bit like Sony, um, sort of mo- Model T Fords. Um, they're they're really really nice, characterless bits of tech. Um, and then you have <laughs> then you have Nikon, who've just started getting into to mirrorless, so uh, they've produced a sort of um i suppose a delorean so it's uh it's really really pretty big um way overpriced and underspecced um and then you've got um i suppose olympus and fuji mm-hmm. have brought out really nice cameras that do really good stuff but they look they look like they should be round robert redford's neck playing some sort of photojournalist. <laughs> um, they have a, a retro-y feel to them. And they actually have real dials and buttons that go click and things, um, which is, I have to say, was probably the deciding factor was, mm, shall I buy this Sony, which will outperform this in every respect? No, I'll have the pretty one. Um I want the one with buttons. Yeah, yeah. I want the buttons, and I, I want. To, I mean, you can customize. <laughs> I totally the buttons, agree. Which is pretty, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, that aesthetic is. I mean, uh, is it a bit hipstery? Is it? Are, are we? Are we getting a bit nostalgic for this golden age that never was? I don't know, but um, those. Uh, I defy anybody. Have a look at a Fuji. Um, X-T2 or an X-T3 or an X-T20, X-T30. They're all very, very similar looking. Um, Look at the silver and black models or silver and graphite model, not the pure black. Um, 
that's what a camera looks like. Um, and it comes in a really small <laughs> package, um, very light. And if you live in a hot climate, it's absolutely essential. I'm sure it is, TJ. I'm sure it is. Hang on, I'll just buy one. No. Um, uh, and I suppose it's a sign of age that I'm, I'm, I'm taking a great deal of pleasure in the nearly buying it. Um, I mean, that's kind of the fun of it, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it, five years ago, or even less perhaps, um, I was very much a, mm, yeah, I think I needed to get bought one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, it, it, you know, I would, I would muse on something and just buy it. And uh, as a consequence, have all sorts of kit that I don't need and probably don't know how to use. But um, nowadays, I don't know, that voice is a little bit stronger in the back of my head going, actually, do you really need it? Do you? Do you? Is it going to make a difference? Are you going to use it more? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm still umming and ahhing about whether I'll get it. I think uh, you suggested last week, you know, carry the big one around and see if you can cope with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if there is really a genuine sort of, oh, I can't be bothered to take this anywhere, um, then yeah, perhaps I will look at it again. I've just looked it up. It'll do 4K. Uh, 3840 by 2160 at 25 and 29 frames per second. 100 which, megabytes which per second continuous recording. This which, is the XT20. Yeah, yeah. XT20, yeah. Yeah, the the 30 does a bit more. And the uh, the 3, uh, that's a big boy camera. That would be more the sort of thing that you'd be looking at, I think, because it's got more, much more... Um, uh, capabilities. Those are the bigger cameras. Although Fujifilm for video, probably not the direction you'd go anyway. Uh, no, probably not. I mean, I don't think I'd go DSLR for video at this stage. Um, that's that's more technical question, but yeah, there's some really nice, ironically, uh, Sony A7S and things like that, which do really, really good video for really decent price points. Yeah. Um, and I'm that's... actually, I really want to play with, there's some Blackmagic cameras at the minute. Um, pocket cinema camera 4k things like that mm -hmm. which i think could be game changers uh, and i've tried to buy one but they're still on pre-order so i tried to buy one for work and they were mm -hmm. like yeah we'll t not take your money but we'll say you can get one and then we'll just not deliver it from november yep so that's good but yes there's lots mm -hmm. of cameras out there that i think would be really exciting for video but uh that's a rabbit hole for another day <laughs> i was gonna say that that sounds like the uh, blackwing sales technique there <laughs> have we well, meandered our way towards the topic well i mean i could do another 45 minutes on blackwing if you want but um <laughs> let's let's not <laughs> um what are we talking about today tj so i i kind of hijacked the the sort of show notes on this one and i i feel a little guilty because i had a full episode to myself essentially last time and I feel like this is another one where your show notes amount to what he said, dot, dot, dot. Um, so I'm going to try and bring you in a bit more in this. I don't want to be the only one talking, but it struck me really recently uh, that rabbit holes is something that we probably both go down, me more than you, I imagine. But uh, you know, the camera is just one example of you find yourself looking at something and then it opens up a whole plethora of adjacent things they kind of just form a time sink and an attention sink that you can't get away from. And this mm -hmm. is something I'm, I'm really, really guilty of. And the irony is that in the research for this show topic today, it became a rabbit hole in itself. 
And so I tried to remember that that thing, that that phrase that comes to mind when you think of rabbit holes and and the, the thing I was trying to mention. And so I literally Googled that thing when you notice a car and then can't stop seeing that brand of car. I literally <laughs> typed that verbatim into Google. And from there, I got a page on Wikipedia about heuristics, about information processing rules, which I actually wrote down because I was like, oh, I need to come back to that. I've heard that word before. I need to need to really delve into that. But that's not for now. That's not for now. What I want to look at. <laughs> I get on to cognitive biases. And like, sure. Oh, yeah, that sounds more like it. And systematic patterns of deviation from norm or rationality and judgment. I'm like, oh, you're speaking my language here. Literally have the, the Wikipedia list of cognitive biases that I need to go back and research and read up and learn about. So another little, you know, diversion and a little tangent on the rabbit hole. And I finally find what I was looking for. And it was the Bader-Meinhof effect or the frequency illusion uh, which is the illusion in which a word, a name, or other thing that has recently come to one's attention suddenly seems to appear with improbable frequency shortly afterwards. And that is part of how rabbit holes work for me. You know, the, the initial diving into it is so deep and so involved that I feel like it starts cropping up of its own agenda in other parts of my life. And mm-hmm. the reason this happened, the reason this this kind of light bulb went off in my head is I watched a, a video by a guy called Destin, who's a sort of scientific uh, researcher and educator. Really, really yeah. cool guy. Works for NASA. No um, dumb questions. He made a video podcast. about... No dumb questions. Exactly. Fantastic podcast. Uh, both will be in the show notes. And um, he had made a video about opal farming or opal mining in uh, rural Australia. And it just popped up. And I, you know, every now and again with coffee breaks, I'll sit and watch a wee, you know, really vaguely scientific video. And his are, you know, very, very good, well-produced. I enjoy the way he makes them. And I'd never thought about opal farming my entire life. And so watched this video. It was really detailed, really interesting, really personable. Really enjoyed it. Got a lot of information out of it. And literally the next night, uh, I had my brothers and my dad over. I was making them dinner. And I normally don't watch normal TV. But because my dad was flicking through the channels, normal TV was on. And an advert comes on for a reality TV show. Um, I see this piece of machinery. I'm like, I, I've seen that before. And that soil looks familiar. Like, is this opal far? Is this opal mar- mining? My dad just looked at me like, yeah. Why? How did you know that? Because I clearly have never seen the advert before because I don't watch TV. But it was the, it it just came up the day afterwards. And I don't know whether that's the universe throwing things at me or that's me going frequency illusion that would have passed over my head and not been noticed. But because I've now twigged and the cognitive bias is there. But when I go down rabbit holes, they seem to crop up everywhere. The connections appear <laughs> like some sort of weird science fiction horror movie. Does this happen to you? Is this, a, is this just me? Am I just being weird again? Uh, I don't think you're being weird. It's, um, I mean, part of it, I suppose, is this is sort of self-fulfilling. Uh, as you say, you, it, things would have passed over your head, um, but they happen to be in your head. So when you do see something, that you immediately go, "Oh, look at that!" Um, and I think there is also um, there is a connectivity in all of this, uh, insofar as hmm. whatever rabbit hole you're looking at, we all tend to use i suppose these days the same approach to the rabbit hole so you know everybody would have found the the first sort of um 
your first contact with the rabbit hole, whatever it might be that triggers it. You go looking, you think, oh, how am I going to find it? Wikipedia will probably come up. Google will be involved and will then sell that data to somebody for some huge amount of money. Um, <laughs> and, and you will arrive at the Bader-Meinhof effect. And then from there, that will take you off in different directions, I suppose. I, I don't know if there's anything scientific to that. But yeah, it, it does happen. And, you know, for me, it tends to be about... Um, it tends to be about fulfillment. So I'm almost certain that I will try and find a way now to uh, read an article or see a video that talks about future-proofing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so that I can justify paying however much more it is for an XT30 than it is for an XT20. Um, or I may even um, get something about over-specking and, and having additional capability which would justify going up to the the xt3 um oh, by the end of it I, I may well have bought a studio you know um uh, the pride new owner of the bbc <laughs> exactly absolutely here we are i've now got 14 cameramen so i just don't have to worry about this anymore um and you know it, i suppose i'm trying to think where i am and where i can draw parallels the one for me and it's it's an awkward subject to try and put with this is um distraction um i'm doing it is a, a distraction of, no it's it. i think that goes hand in hand uh, no but <laughs> my uh distraction is the study of distraction so i'm oh. <laughs> i'm interested <laughs> and and concerned by i'm i'm trying to be and i used this in a blog post today and it was a word that i was uh, I was I was almost sick in my mouth as I typed it. Um, a, a sort of multi multipreneur, um, I think, was the word I used. So I've it's got very buzzy. Uh, yeah, I've got my compliance thing going. I'm, I'm got Nero's notes. Um, I record a podcast regularly. Um, I'm the darling of social media for all sorts of different reasons. I've got a, a membership website. Uh, I have Slack groups that are part of that. I'm trying to, um, what did you call it? Keep, keep a few plates spinning. And yeah. that's, um, that's fine, uh, but it has an impact on how I live my life. And you throw it in with a couple of life changes, and suddenly I find myself, um, the difference between being at work and not being at work is that I will be sitting um, at a slightly different table with a slightly different piece of IT <laughs> working. That That's essentially yeah. what's happening. So um, A, that's not good for me. Um, B, I don't think it's particularly much fun for Margaret. So looking at that thinking, okay, oh yeah, I need to draw some barriers here. I need to work out what I'm, okay. Mm, well, where is my time going? What is it being spent on? Is social media yeah. as bad as everybody says? But I need Facebook. No, I don't. Do I? Do I need? Oh, what about Instagram? Oh, hang, <laughs> hang. What yeah. exactly is the problem with Instagram? Just, uh, well, I can't Google it obviously because I don't use Google. But um, oh, I'll, I'll use a different search engine and we'll see what the problem with Instagram is. Mm, yeah, Instagram. Apparently, the problem with Instagram is it can take a lot of your time. And oh, I've been researching the problem with Instagram taking a lot of your time for. 84 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And it, it all becomes self-fulfilling. And then, you know, I'll listen to a podcast. And because it is, as you said, quite buzzy, um, there, there are lots of people talking about, um, uh, you know, the dangers of, of social media, of screen time, uh, the morals or lack of them of certain large players in that space, um, what they are actually doing with our data. Um, and, you know, a couple of the books that you and I have both sort of been been talking about over the last three or four months you know you've got um sort of minimalism uh you've got the 10 reasons you should shut your social media accounts right now whatever that was called <laughs> yeah. um uh cal newport's got a new one out um what's he done he's, he's taken two buzzwords put them together which is kind of his thing um what's he called digital minimalism there you go um yeah and so suddenly, you know, I've I've uh, spent four and a half hours um, mucking about with my screen setups on my iOS devices so that they distract me less. Um, and just, <laughs> yeah, I saw just, a snapshot you know, of a very very minimalist, very blank looking iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, my iPhone is uh, is all grayscale at the moment. There are no colors on it. At all. Oh wow, okay, um, that's extreme. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's a sort of, I suppose, a thought experiment. Um, but, yeah, it, it is very much, I think, that whole Bader-Meinhof thing that I've been for a year and a half experimenting with a, uh, a dumb phone. Um, and, you know, there's mm -hmm. something, I mean, A, God, what great Instagram pictures these things make. And, you, and then you think, oh, <laughs> did I just say that out loud? Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, I was taking photos of my really cool dumb phone with a great fountain pen. What was I using? I was using my smartphone to take that photo. Um, so, so, you know, rather than reducing any of these issues, I'm just multiplying them. Um, and even now, just because of the vagaries of, of SIM cards and stuff, um, you know, I quite often have the smartphone in one pocket and the, the dumb phone in the other. And I keep saying, well, you know, I, I really want to be just on this dumb phone because I want to be in the moment. I don't want to be disturbed and all that. Well, I do, but I also want to hear podcasts and um, you know, have a really <laughs> yeah, there's different features, really powerful torch, <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, check my bank account. You know, those types of things. You think, okay, hang on. And so, as I start thinking about that, I I, I agree with you. It does happen because. There are books and um, every podcast I listen to now, I end up buying a book at the end of it. Um, and so I've got, I've <laughs> so got sorry, lined I'm probably up. responsible for half of that. <laughs> well, you know, lined up after the, um, uh, the, the book club one, I've got four or five more uh, books looking at, you know, being an entrepreneur, social media, distraction, all of those things, all yeah. sort of how they interlock. Um, it's funny because we've kind of tied this into what I was talking about before with the house and it's this it's almost like recursive masochism where it doesn't help to give yourself more work or think more about it or be more detailed but in order to think about it and find a, a solution or think about thinking about finding a solution you have to uh, sort of identify the problem but in doing that you fall down the rabbit hole of going well what is the problem and what if we step back and what if we address more instead of less and you almost get into this cycle of well i need to have less stuff so how am i 
let me get a book to tell me how to get less stuff. Yeah. And I shouldn't use social media. Now, let me find a good blog post on Facebook or something about why I shouldn't use social media. And it's almost this, it's a cycle and you keep getting into it and into it and into it. And I think a lot of these things are a little bit like Mandelbrot fractals. You kind of, the closer you look, the more there is. And so part of this might be taking a step back from things and going, okay, that's what it is. It's this. It's infinitely more complicated than that. But functionally, if I think of it like this, I can move forward. And Absolutely. Certainly that's something I need to do. Yeah, no, I mean, the. I suppose the thing... Oh, I, am I growing? Am I growing? Yeah, I'm probably eating too much. But apart from that type of growing, <laughs> I, I, I latched on... Something instinctive latched me on to the idea of... Um, you know, applying more analog principle across my life. So looking mm-hmm. at the tech that I use, um, having the dumb phone, um, keeping paper journal, paper diary, that type of thing. And as you say, you then sort of think, oh, yeah, what about this? What about And you read some books. Um, and the interesting thing is that I think most of the books that I've read haven't quite got there yet. They haven't quite sorted it out. And so what's yeah, quite... a piece n- of the solution, but not the solution. Yeah, what's quite new for me is that it's actually provoked me to start thinking about it. So, um, you know, like, I suppose, everybody else, um, or at least many people, I'm uncomfortable with Facebook. Um I mean, demonstrably, Facebook is entirely dedicated to its mission and it will continue that mission without any regard for privacy or data integrity, if you like. These guys are are so... I don't think they're evil particularly, but they're so driven to do what they feel is their, their calling that they've completely forgotten yeah. everything else. And they've optimized I, for something that is sub-moral. Yeah, I do, you know, I don't want to be there. And I I tell my friends, you know, I uh, I have a profile, and I have a profile because I have to have one if I want to have a business profile. And then I start agonizing about, oh, hang on. Am I being hypocritical? Am I uh, you know, claiming to be victim as well as as well as problem? Um <laughs> And you hear, you know, Facebook is evil. Facebook, Facebook isn't evil at all. Um, if you don't feed Facebook uh, your data, then it it won't, well, it can't do anything with it. Um, I think advertising on Facebook. I'm not going to do that. So my companies will not advertise on Facebook because th- by advertising on Facebook, I'm supporting this idea of taking people's data and using it to. Um, try and persuade them to do things, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm just uncomfortable with that. I mean, it's not some moral high thing. It's just I'm, I'm not going to do it. And that got me thinking about actually, you know, my personal rabbit hole is how do you get the best out of all this tech, um, whilst maintaining uh, some degree of control. And that's you know, Cal Newport is saying stuff like that. I believe I haven't read his book yet. Um, I've read Deep Work, but this is his new one digital minimalism is based on that idea of you know clear everything out and start bringing things back that you can sort of clearly define why you're using them for what um 
And that's where I think rabbit holes are good because they are, um, they are forcing me at least to think perhaps a little bit more critically. So I was always one for, oh, is this guy online? He's great. He's, he's fantastic. So, um, I, it, Tim Ferriss, the, what was it? Is it the four hour work week? Was that the famous one? Yeah. Or was four it work week, four work body, week. four hour. Yeah. Yeah. No, four um, hour week. He talks about uh, an Indian outsourcing firm. You know, I had a contract with them within about a week of reading the book of I'm going to outsource <laughs> these things to to my, you know, my Indian assistant. And that was me unthinkingly accepting the wisdom of someone else. Um, and I think there's a great danger of that. And there are lots of people who make lots of money on the internet setting themselves up as the expert on this. And some of them are absolutely fantastic. Um, and some of them are probably not as expert as uh, well as everyone else. But mm. you know, there is a degree of salesmanship that goes on up there. Well, you know, that's fine. But <laughs> yeah, now I, fi- I find this the rabbit hole is okay. There is a lot of stuff. As you say, you start at um, Wikipedia and get to the Bader Meinhof effect. And if you wanted to, I'm sure you could now have five Audible works, twenty five readable books and well as you've already got according to the show notes you know 200 lists of things that you need to go off and research um you know there's an about finding how it's useful yeah yeah it's finding how you can use it to your own benefit because uh, the rabbit holes i think are possibly some sort of vestigial thing we have in our, our psyche and certainly there's there's something in my head that makes me prone to do this and and actually perversely enjoy the rabbit hole even though it is time wasting even though it is a tangent from what i should be doing it helps me connect the dots sometimes you know that i look at things and i research topics that i never would have come across before and i think that's actually largely one of my strengths is being able to take something that would seem very disparate and connect the dots in a way that no one else has yet or point to a thing and go what if we did this like that that's something that i do a lot and it's something i enjoy being able to do uh, and I think some of that comes from having this very wide breadth of reading and understanding, very, very shallow, but very, very wide. Um, but certainly it's about finding how to use it positively and not succumb to the kind of recursive negative feedback loops that I think we are all prone to falling into with, oh, I need to think about this more to solve the problem, but I'll never actually solve the problem. I'll just keep thinking about it and feeling bad about it without actually doing anything actionable. I think that's very easy to do. For sure. And I'm going to think, uh, well, I I know that's what the, the Googles and, and Facebooks are, are living off at the moment. The, you know, lots of people yeah. are making lots of noise about these things. Um, and Zuckerberg sits there and goes, well, you know, my monthly active user count is going up, not down. So... Mm. You know, people aren't leaving Facebook in droves. I think actually they are. Um, I, I don't think Facebook would tell us if <laughs> if they were anyway. Uh, but but I think people are, or oh, many many people are changing the way they engage with Facebook. Um, you know, anybody younger than you wouldn't go near it anyway because it's where the old folk hang out. Yeah, um, they're all on TikTok these days. <laughs> um, the the sort of tech savvy people. Um, you know, have been sort of moving away from it 
for uh, I don't know, I suppose about five five years maybe. There's been a yeah a drift away, um, and I think just you know normal people uh, are finding it perhaps less useful and pervasive than it ever used to be because you don't really see what your friends are up to on it anymore because you've got way too many connections that you sort of just make and as somebody friends. asked you. Um, and yeah, too many sort of algorithm driven ads that you look at and you, yeah, I don't really need to go on and see more ads. You know, I can do that on my TV. Um, yeah, actually funny enough, I, I, cause I got the new phone, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't sort of, uh, surgically removed yet, like adverts and notifications, which I tend to do. Uh, so uh-huh. the old phone was quite concise. This one is not yet. Uh, but it's funny going on the stuff and I've, I've noticed recently I've started to kind of uh, give almost this drivel into the, the algorithm. So they'll say, you know, if I'm on Pinterest or something looking uh, or an advert and pops up, a lot of them will give you the option to get rid of the advert. Mm-hmm. And then they'll immediately ask for feedback about why, which is kind of mm-hmm. funny because they're saying, okay, no, you don't need to see that. Don't worry about it. But why didn't you like it? So we can give you something you will like. Mm-hmm. And so what I've started to do is just try and give them incorrect information to muck up whatever profile that is out there of me and just put enough noise into the system that, yeah, they can give me adverts served up and they can try and personalize it, but it'll never be. And just that tiny little complicated act of giving them the wrong information. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I have, uh, I have lots of friends who, um, it's happened to me, I suppose, three t- three times in the last 12 months. I've wished somebody a happy birthday and they've got, oh, no, 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 no. It's my Facebook birthday. <laughs> that's my digital birthday not my analog birthday yeah yeah i i you know i i feed in all sorts of misinformation and yeah that that ship's already sailed i i told facebook the truth like many people but um yeah i i think there is a, a shift happening and a change happening and you know i i i suppose like you i'm enjoying that whole um rabbit hole but will it, oh, I love it. I, I, will I, it drive I, change? I suppose it will in the end. I mean, w- presumably what you're doing now is um, is planning on buying a nuclear-powered merchant ship. Um, I read from the show notes. I've just, just oh noticed that. Yeah. A nuclear-powered oh, merchant ship. So, so the, the reason I go on to nuclear-powered merchant ships, of which there are not very many, uh, is because I watched a video... Uh, called it's, I can't even remember the title of the video. The video was about uh, a video game uh, called Kerbal Space Program, which is a a fairly detailed space simulator. I have it. I've played it a couple of times. It's really really good. A lot of really interesting people and smart people play it and have shown really incredible things on it. That again, it feeds into this you know planetary physics and all that jazz. It's really interesting watching a video in there. And someone had built an atomic aircraft. Just as a fun six minute video, showed it off. I went, oh, that's cool. And they mentioned as a throwaway comment, you know, they tried to build some atomic aircraft. It didn't really work. They flew a reactor once or twice, but they, they couldn't get the shielding right. It didn't really work. And they kind of mothballed it after that. And I went, oh, that's that's a that's a rabbit hole. Let me just let me just dip my toe in. And so I started Googling atomic aircraft and then I got on to atomic cars and then on to somewhere where, you know, nuclear power has worked very well as ships. You know, there's a lot of nuclear aircraft carriers and submarines and things like that. It works very well there. So I got into atomic propulsion and how that works. 
And then I found the NS Savannah, which is the only merchant Navy nuclear-powered ship that was really built and launched and run. And it sort of launched in 1959. And it was kind of this flagship ship that they had for... Uh, Eisenhower wanted something that would be like a symbol of peace and prosperity in the, the post-war age and kind of this Adams for Peace idea. Um, and uh, it just captivated me, the idea of this. And then I got into, you know, these ships can go for five years without refueling. They 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 put the reactor in, they put the the enriched uranium or whatever it is in the reactor, and it just goes for five years. Yeah, that's, that's that's a, that's same with the subs, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they do need to surface. If they have air, they can stay underwater for weeks. It's just fundamentally fascinating stuff. And then I get into, well, who else is doing this? And the Russians have a fleet of uh, atomic icebreakers that they use to kind of go along the, the northern seas and break through the ice. And oh, I literally today on the train ride home, I spent 35 minutes reading up on how uh, America and the U- sort of Europe build nuclear reactors and how the most common ones are built right now. I just, it's, I'm in deep and I know this isn't, isn't going to stop because I was researching it literally about two or three hours ago. Um, just, oh, so fascinating. So completely out of the realm of what I'm normally used to. I mean, I don't have an A-level in maths, never mind atomic physics. My brother is going to have a, a degree in, in a master's in physics. And so maybe he can explain some of this to me. But my goodness, am I interested in the top level stuff? I'm I'm still giggling at atomic icebreakers. I've got oh. I've got visions of German scientists joking around in the late forties in America. Just little one liners, atomic icebreakers. But uh, it's um you it is a weird thing. I've just also the the point I've got to make is you've put a link, which I'm assuming will go to the show notes as well, for um for the Savannah, the NS Savannah. And and mm-hmm. that web service, what is it? Uh, Arena? Arena. A-R-E dot N-A, yeah. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually, I got it from Slack. Someone in Slack recommended it to me. Uh, and it's kind of like Pinterest, but not awful. Uh, I have a hit-hit relationship with Pinterest and that it's got a lot of really good images, something like 173 billion images, but it's interspersed with garbage yeah. and adverts, and I really don't like it. But it's a really good system of being able to pin things. I've been doing an analog version of Pinterest for probably 10 years where I have folders and folders and folders worth of saved photographs and images from the internet. And this kind of came about and uh, it just filled that niche. And so I have boards and boards worth of stuff. They call them channels and blocks. And the the words are different. The, the features are the same. So I have mm-hmm. a, a board or a channel all about the nuclear ship Savannah. Uh, one about vintage paperwork, another about graphics, one about theory, images about theory, GIFs, uh, a skeleton spaceman. I have 13 images of skeleton spacemen because that <laughs> just fascinated me one day. Uh, keyboards. I have 28 photographs of keyboards. Uh, key fobs, anthropometric, which is how you sort of design uh, furniture and buildings to match people's bodies and how they fit and move. Uh, ground stations for FPV and aerial vehicles uh calling cards and then uh, live better electrically which is like a 1950s promotional thing by general electric to make people use more electricity just insane amounts of rabbit holes and it's a very good way of me funneling them uh yeah it fills a void and i'm really enjoying using it hmm I, I will look into that it looks like a great um uh sort of 
as you say, sort of researching area where you can, can you, um, can you put text there as well? Yeah, you can put almost anything you want. So it'll take video, text, images, most stuff and just throw it up there. It's quite clean and it's very minimalist. That's the kind of the vibe they're going for. So, Mm. I mean, in terms of content, there's very little on there. There's some bits and pieces. Um, Actually, I'm just reading their kind of their top level billboard of what they want. Uh, Social media is broken. Social networks depend on addicted users to sell more ads and harvest more data. If you want our attention back, we need a different model. No Mm -hmm. ads, no likes, no distractions. There you go. This is feature built. Exactly what we're talking about. And this is not sponsored, nor is it an ad. It just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So you can use it for free, I think, up to unlimited public blocks, up to 100 private blocks for free. And Mm. yeah, I'm starting to use it. It takes text, photos, links, PDFs, most stuff. Yeah, very cool. I I could see it having an impact in uh, writing research and stuff for me. That would be quite cool. Yeah, it's it's a cool way to kind of pick and choose all those little bits because I've done this for a number of years with folders. I mean, I can go back and show you. I have a folder uh, saved on hard drives called Creative Projects, uh, inspired by Adam Savage from Mythbusters. And he said that he did this. Again, one of those throwaway comments that sparks something. He mm-hmm. sort of said that he did this and saw a snippet of it in a Mythbusters episode. And I thought that is the greatest thing I've seen in my entire life. <laughs> so about 10 years ago, I dedicated myself to the process of saving everything I find interesting for future use. Uh, and so there's maybe two or three of these folders floating about now in various stages of connectivity. Uh, none of them will be centralized. There's an old one that's probably, I don't know, 10, 15,000 images. Um, but it's just a catalog of foldered things that I find interesting. So it could be skateboard decks or brown bags that someone's drawn on. But <laughs> just these weird esoteric collections of stuff that if I'm really interested in something... I can kind of go and delve into a lot of them at once and pull them from all the disparate parts of the internet and shove them in one place. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, particularly when you're a looking tool at for nuclear ships. Rabbit holes. Oh, I, I really want to, I'm going to go and look at it again. It's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the ship they designed is gorgeous. The, the NS or nuclear ship Savannah. Look it up. It, it's this gorgeous piece of transport material that uh, the cars look horrible today why don't ships and cars and things look like that we have the technology we did it in the 1960s why can't we do it now oh don't get me started concord <laughs> we had that we had the ability to fly to new york supersonic and we gave it up no no my parents flew in concord in a, once a big boeing bus that's what we want to be on Honestly. <laughs> slow bus, please. Yeah, exactly. Slow, <laughs> slow bus that's fuel effect, efficient. None of this getting somewhere fast. Yeah, nonsense. Yeah, I think you told your, your parents' uh, story. They they had a, a, a test flight in it, wasn't it? Yeah, my mum worked for British Airways and so was able to, to wrangle something. Can't remember what they weren't flying on it, like she wasn't working or anything, but they were able to get tickets to, to fly it to New York once. Yeah, and I think fantastic. they thought it was amazing. But uh yeah. again, they don't make things like that anymore. It doesn't look like that. We just have horrible look at cars nowadays and look at cars in the nineteen fifties and tell me yep. we've moved forward. They're a lot safer and more energy efficient, but they're ugly as sin. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857.